On the Mystic and the Skeptic, we have my, my good friend Alex Pineda. He's going to be telling us about his new company, Clutch City Cuisine, here in Houston. I wanted to, him to come to my show during my birthday and do a, a comedy show like we usually do, but instead we're going to be doing uh, a whole program about his new endeavor and his Clutch City Cuisine. Uh, he's been a chef for a couple of years working for major um, restaurants and a hotel, and now he's uh, started uh, being an entrepreneur and starting his own company. And we're going to be talking about what does it take to be able to get your name out in Houston, how to, um, what is the goal of his company, and what, what is the one thing that he's trying to convey uh, in the saturated world of images and ideas. Uh, so many restaurants. Uh, in his website, he talks about how restaurants come and go a lot, unless you're part of a big franchise. So we'll be talking about that too. Alex, uh, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got involved with being a chef and, and what has been your experience like. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Jerry, for inviting me on the show. And it's been a few years coming. I started off cooking at hotels, restaurants, um, went to culinary school for a little bit, but decided it wasn't for me. And, and I go more in depth into my decisions and my endeavors and journey in the culinary field in my website. Uh, check it out, Clutch City Cuisine. We really talk about some really crazy good stuff, some great content there. Uh, but it's been a few years coming. Um, and it's just that I talk about a lot of the changes in, in, in the culinary industry and how we should be bringing back home-cooked meals back into the home. You know, uh, that's a perfect example that I talk about in the article where um, one day I came home and I saw that my kids were on their iPads and, you know, it was dinner time and nobody wanted to make me have an epiphany about the whole communication among families and how food relates to that. Uh, so I picked up all the iPads and we just kind of had a like honest God uh, discussion between, you know, father, kids, wife, you know, and really sat down and talked to each other. And I feel like that's a big problem that a lot of people are having. It's a very fast, quick fix economy, you know, lifestyle, society, and we're so engulfed into our mobile devices that we don't have honest God discussions. I don't know how you feel being a father and a husband and having two small little girls and how important meals are and healthy meals in general, you know? I don't know, I don't know if... Yeah, like we never actually talked about our meals. It was very uh, anxiety provoking for my wife. Isn't it like when, when you come down to it, you're like, go to the grocery store and you, you know, you don't know what to pick, what to make, and you know, kids are picky, like, you know, maybe the oldest one might like one thing and then the youngest is like not gonna have it. And then there's certain things in your diet. I know health-wise, you've been kind of struggling back and forth with certain things. So well, the easiest thing is just to go out and eat something or pick up something when you're tired from work or from taking care of the kids. So uh, what um, we have like a few things that we can eat. I've been struggling with allergies for the last 10 years. And that's big. People don't realize that allergies are really affecting this country in the sense of, you know, uh, we've had a growth in the past, what, 10 years in food allergies. Uh, a lot of doctors and, and uh, professors... Uh, are doing a bunch of studies and nobody can even have a, a direct correlation of why this is happening. You know, even in the past 
let's say, past 10 years, a lot of mental disorders have, have grown in kids, like autism. Um, and I honestly think that it has a direct effect on what we put in our bodies. So is it because people are experimenting with us? We're all breaking out in allergies, or what do you I think? Mean, to be honest with you, there's so much foreign chemicals and, and different type of environments that are being introduced into our food that we don't know exactly what's going in there. A lot of the so-called organic produce that's being you know, tossed around, technically it might be organic when it leaves the farm, but after it loads onto the trucks, you know, being stored in the stores, I mean, they might be uh, able to put something in the vegetables that lasted longer, give it a color, and technically it's still organic because we're only talking about the farms themselves. We're not talking about the middlemen. And that's an interesting thing. Like, how is it that so much has changed in our diet? Affected us from a hormonic standpoint. But is it like the only way we can know that the stuff is natural is for us to grow it ourselves? Well, definitely. But, I mean, who has the time to really sit there and, and grow a farm? And plus the space? I mean, you would have to literally go to the space. I mean, I guess the best option you would really go for is support, support your local farmers and have like those, those honest conversations like I have a few guys that I outsource my produce um, and I speak on on, Amazon, uh, on my blog about how I'm getting a lot of my uh, local produce from Amazon Fresh it's a great uh, source to get a lot of your vegetables and fruits and you're able to plan those stress-free stress free meals. You know, you basically plan out what meals you're going to do throughout the week. You plan them out and then you go online and order them. And within a day or two, they're sent to your front door. So who works for Amazon Fresh? Like, what, what are the providers uh, that are sending you that food? Um, they're getting theirs from like local farms, you know, they're outsourcing from a lot of different, um, sources. And I just heard, uh, some news that they are buying, buying out or have already bought out Whole Foods. Yeah. But the problem with like Whole Foods is bad and Amazon is worse. Yeah. I don't know if you know much about, um, Steve, uh, what's his name? The guy that owns place no no oh the, the owner of amazon the owner of amazon has some of his workers on food stamps because it's just like walmart he only hires people part-time he doesn't provide benefits mm -hmm. yeah. and he's he's this monster that is growing and taking and over everything yeah because i worked for whole foods for like two years and it's one and of the best companies i've ever worked for so tell us about your experience because i have had bad experiences at whole foods i think it's from very, purchasing stuff not only is it super expensive mm -hmm. the people there are snobby mm -hmm. yeah so, even some of them i think it's more the culture like I, it goes back to like like just times are changing you know like the term hipster wasn't I know, Around, but, but you know, now you like have a, now everybody's a hipster, you know. Right, but you have a huge corporation like Amazon take it over, mm -hmm. and they say that the prices have gone down on basic things. Mm -hmm. But it's still like an elite kind of thing. It's not for the community, right? Definitely not. A friend of mine was talking about how uh, they hire African Americans and Hispanics, minorities. But do you, did you have access to the goods there? Did you get a big discount? Um, it was it wasn't like a huge discount, but it was just basically like. 
the taxes off what you know, the, like sell taxes and stuff like that, like basically well, like, 10, 20 percent. But it really didn't make that much of a difference. Um, so were you able to provide food for your family? You did not. From no, there? no, definitely. I couldn't even. I still couldn't afford it after the discount, though. See, but that's what's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, not even the employees can afford it. Yeah. And then they want to. Uh, if you want a food revolution, um, like a lot of authors have been talking about, where we need to keep, um, you know, the the system accountable. And the reason that organic has become more popular is because people have been demanding it. Mm. Um, with these huge corporations, they're only going to do what's good for them. They're not going to yeah. do what's good for the people. And then now knowing that they take advantage of the workers makes you not want to buy there. So then you end up at Walmart again. Or I'm glad to hear that now there's other alternatives online. I think Amazon, uh, like when you buy a book, is there's small companies that use Amazon to sell their stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if that's how it's working with the with the farmers, but it's definitely a great way to become like an entrepreneur because you can put your products on Amazon, and everybody knows Amazon. So even though you could do it on your own, Amazon's a bigger platform to sell what you have. Well, let's say that you were selling. Um, like homemade meals that you deliver at people's houses, how much of a percentage of what you um, you should be making for that would Amazon take? Yeah, uh, that's something you have to kind of like look up and really do your homework on. Because honestly, I wouldn't know. Because I have a friend that he he's publishing his own books and he's making way more money doing that than going through a publisher. Yeah. But he still has to give some money to Amazon. But now Amazon has become like the thing. Like you cannot get your book out unless you do it through Amazon. Yeah. So they're, they're like monopolizing the, the market. Yeah, they really are. So now they're monopolizing the organic and specialty foods and they're monopolizing the uh, farm it's to like, table. It's, it's all about convenience, you know what I mean? Like, do, do you have the time to go there, um, stand in line, wait, when everything can come to you like, and you have exactly what you need when you need it? No, and, th and that's great because uh, people with families or with uh, disabilities. Yeah, well, there's times where, like, me and you, like, we're stay-at-home dads, um, which we'll discuss on another, like... But it uh, is overwhelming like, that, um, you know, not, like, now we have a lot of more respect fun. for our mothers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And definitely. what they went through. Uh, so going back to Clutch City Cuisine, uh, what differentiates you from other food bloggers out there? Um, from what I'm like actually noticing, a lot of them are, uh, you know, taking pictures of other people's foods. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of like Instagram uh, bloggers, and what they're just basically doing is just grabbing a camera and taking pictures of like another people's food. Where us, you know, you're getting some really quality content. Like everything that I put on the site, we test for about a week. We um, we, you know, test our re uh, recipes over and over. Uh, there's some great informative, like, uh, articles that we put out. And, you know, they're from a perspective of a chef, you know. And not to say that's necessary, but I feel like from a chef's point of view, you can get another passionate view versus somebody who, who likes to go out, eats this food, and then goes home, you know. From my point of view, you see the the passion, the determination, the 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 rough parts that you don't get from home, like a home cook, uh, home like a home cook. Um, 
But that's just my opinion, you know. No, but it's an interesting thing because I was talking to this about uh, with a movie reviewer is that if you never made a movie, mm-hmm. how can you judge a big production if you don't know what it takes to do it? Right. So someone who likes to go eat and they start judging restaurants very harshly mm. well do they know the work that it takes to come up with exactly that? that's yeah. what i hate about food critics in general um you're able to to put out these words and you don't see the consequences of how they affect the people that that put in 40 50 you know 60 hours and one one recipe, you know. They, so, so is Yelp destroying the the food industry because some picky? It's, have, it's having an effect. I wouldn't say it's destroying it, but like, you know, when chefs see that, you know, it, it makes them more, you know, self conscious. And then, you know, some are actually you know, not be as risque about what they're doing creatively. Well, let's talk about that because uh, in our previous conversation, you mentioned that working for a, a big uh, hotel chain. Uh, was quenching your creativity. Uh, what is it like, and what are the type of foods that uh, people request, or that they make you make for the guests when you work for for a hotel? I won't name which hotels, but um, I feel like the big brand of hotel that I work for eventually lost its drive to be more creative and push out, you know, inspiring dishes, and it was more about just feeding the mass people, you know, it's just pushing out food and pushing out the quantity of food instead of the quality. But it's like the movies where you do have um, some um, connoisseurs come and, and grade you based compared to other restaurants? I don't restaurants. think so. Like, I, you know, like, maybe those higher-end hotels, but like, you know, the business economy and those lower ends, um, there's not really much to it. You just push out food as long as it's hot and fast. And, I mean, that's all they care about. So, but what about the other restaurants you work for? Did they ever have like competitions or a way of rating the the oh, no. restaurant? No, definitely not. Definitely not. Oh. So you just do what people like. Yeah, yeah. Just do the the favorites and stuff. And like what that. about? Uh, I know that there's regulations from the city and stuff like that on and not getting your customers sick. But do you see people cutting corners and doing things that might be a little? Unhealthy or I mean, problematic? No, I wouldn't say unhealthy, but you know, cutting costs here and cutting costs there, and, and what they promote on the menus and what exactly goes, you know, put on. For example, like like steaks um, on the menu, they'll say farm uh, uh, farm fresh uh, steaks, and they're actually cryo bagged and frozen, and you know, already pre uh, portioned. When you're thinking that we're doing a lot of the work and it's not like that. So nobody's policing uh, how fresh the food is. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I mean, they're they're healthy. They're they're um, there's nothing um, health wise wrong with the food, but it's just not what they're promoting. They're making it sound a lot better than what it is. Okay. Uh, I, on my way here, we were listening to um, to Texas Standard, and they were talking about. Uh, ways to cook Mexican food with um, with a crock pot um, is is it part of what you're doing? Also, um, you talk about home cooked meals. Are you reaching back into your culture and and things that um, that have maybe become um, standardized or Americanized and they need to be brought back from the traditional way of cooking it? Are you doing? 
Tex-Mex? Are you doing anything that uh, that people here in Texas would relate to? Or are you doing very fancy stuff that sometimes might even be uh, not too familiar for people or uh, kind of out of the ordinary? Well, the great thing about Houston, and I try to emphasize with emphasis this with everybody that I talk to, is that we're so diverse that sometimes these cuisines kind of blend in together and I'm kind of on the other fence of, of you know these fusions like I really love these I know a lot of people are like you know Mexican me- Mexican food should just be Mexican food and you know Chinese should be just Chinese and, and I'm kind of the other way like I kind of think about when I'm at home I think about different ways like you know how to make this better or how to make it different from what everybody else is doing you know um, and I just love, love, love the culture that we have here as far as, you know, there's so many different backgrounds and, you know, I'll strike a conversation with different people and try to get their perspective of their experiences with food and trying to just combine them with my own. Um, right now we're doing very basic, um, home cooked meals, but like the things that inspire me the most are you know, a Netflix original called Chef Table, and I absolutely love it. And it always starts off with the chef, you know, talking about his experiences, you know, how he started off, how sometimes you have to leave your environment, like, and go venture and, and experience new things to come back and appreciate, you know, where you're from and, and who you are, and even, you know, your own culture. And that's how I feel about myself, you know. There's a lot of times growing up as a kid, you know, I was uh, discouraged for being Latino. It's not easy being a young Latino male, especially in, you know, in our society. You know, if you look at it, how many famous Latino chefs are there compared to everyone else? Not that many. And, um, you know, I had to go experience some different uh, cultures and, and, and have a different whole perspective on how my life is to come back and, and, and look back and, and say, you know what, you know, I'm proud and I love being Latino. I don't know if, if it's ever felt that way like for yourself, you know, being from Mexico and then coming here and seeing the difference and in, in, in how everything is and then experience well, you, you are kind of pushed to assimilate and kind of like um, get rid of or push down your identity to try to uh, fit in. Yeah. And then you realize that you're never going to fully fit in because yeah. they're always going to see you as an outsider. So um, you having a, a Guatemalan and, and Cuban background, uh, you know, some people would think that's really cool and that's like hip and and interesting and other people would be like well you're an American and you need yeah. to like act like one so um, how uh, how do you incorporate the, that diverse background and also growing around growing up around Mexican Americans that um, see sometimes like the Mexican American culture is very overpowering uh, for people who are from other parts of Latin America what kind of food did you grow up with and what kind of food are you uh, giving your, your children being from Texas, well, being from Houston specifically, it's like essentially being Mexican in the sense where all my classmates were Mexican. Um, all the restaurants around when I was growing up were Mexican restaurants. 
So all we ate, like even my mother, like she spent a, quite a bit of time in Mexico, in Oaxaca. So all her dishes were Mexican-inspired dishes. Um, but as I got older, you know, you get very Americanized. And that was the part, like, like as a kid growing up, I said, you know, I would ask my mother, oh, why couldn't we have, you know, regular hot dogs and hamburgers like everybody else? Because we weren't like everybody else. That's what I couldn't understand at the time. Being, you know, so immature, I wanted to be like everyone else. And now that I'm older, now that I'm 30, I want the opposite. I don't want to be like everybody else. If your your whole experience or your whole reason for living is to be like everyone else, then you'll never succeed. You have to be the trendsetter, the, the one that that stand out from everybody. You know, I, I see it every day. Every, everybody's you know the same. It's the one who stands out the most will that become the most successful. You know. Um, and I still struggle with it every day. Like, how can I stand out from the next person? How can I be better than I was yesterday? And, and there's the thing about being unique. And, and in art, you see the, the many masters trying to compete with each other, like to see who can create the best image. Uh, is that something that uh, is encouraged in the culinary field? or? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Like, or is it pretty much, you know... Be just like the master, and there's there's two uh, schools of thought, like the Eastern and um, I, I guess it would be Eastern Europe and East like Asia. Uh, when painters would um, would paint, they would try to emulate their masters and keep the tradition going. In the in the Roman tradition, uh, like the Italian painters, they would try to outdo each other. Um, are you supposed to be just like your your, your chef uh, teachers, or are you supposed to be to strive to even be better? Well, it's more like a progression. From my point of view, is when you're younger, when you first start out, and you're just barely learning your craft. You know, you want to emulate. You want to be exactly as them that you that inspires you. And then as you you surpass your own limitations, and you become the top of your you know, craft, then you think of ways to, you know, step out of the shadow of your mentor and then become better than the person. And then that, that's when you finally master your craft is when you become your own style, your own chef. You're not so-and-so's, you know, pupil. When only then you can achieve that is when you find yourself and find what makes you who you are. And I find it interesting that you say that there's not that many Latino chefs that are famous or uh, well-known when the majority of cooks are of Latino background. And let me ask you, when when you would hire um, people from Latin America to work for you, did they have any training or did they just expect because they're Latinos that they know how to cook? You know, a lot of them... Yeah, especially the young ones uh, had little to no experience, and you know these guys were the most hardworking cooks I ever met in my life. You know, there's two types. There was that very entitled uh, culinary student straight out of culinary uh, school, 
And they would always come in and act like they knew everything. And then there would be that, you know, quiet Latino, you know, worker that would just kind of go under the radar, but they would learn everything, you know, master every little station, start uh, garbage, salads and dressings, and then work their way up to grill and saute. And then seeing the two different, you know, backgrounds was always the most interesting thing. You know, seeing the culinary students struggle with the most minor things, but talk about it so in depth. Talk about it to, you know, to the nth degree about how they, they were taught this and that. And that always made me stand out in my mind. Like, it's not what you know. It's what you do with the knowledge that you have. You know, you could go to the best schools in the world. But if you don't apply it the right way, you'll never be successful in, in your, your art. But is there a prejudice against uh, Latino cooks and chefs? Because um, in your school, uh, what was the percentage of Latinos that were there? And then do you know of any of them who have started their own restaurants and have actually been successful? Or, or you, do you have to have a French last name to be able to get your name I wouldn't out? say French last name, but I mean, the, minority, uh, the majority of uh, cooks that I know are... Um, you know, white, black, um, different backgrounds, but very few are, were Latinos. You know, there's a whole bunch of, whole bunch of line cooks that were hired off the streets, you know, and people don't realize that the majority of your, your favorite restaurants are, you know, are being cooked by Latino cooks. I mean, obviously it's the chef making the menu, but... Even though it can be the best menu in the whole world, if it's not executed right, then it doesn't even matter. Not, none of it matters. So, so was there a high percentage of Latinos who were studying to be chefs just like you? No. So I had the pleasure to try one of your cilantro tortillas. Um, give us an example of what are the, the fusion or new recipes that, that you've been trying. Oh, Korean beef tacos, I mean, they're real popular around L.A., but I've been really trying to play with them and, and work with it, and this is something I, I've been, like, really playing with, but I still haven't got it down. It's really hard to get. Do you have uh, any recipes at home that, that you try to play with? Well, um, I had talked to you about us working on doing some organic tamales, and uh, we don't eat pork, so we use uh, vegetable shortening for tamales and you have to use a lot to get the right consistency and even then they're a little dry yeah yeah um but you know since we were talking about allergies or um dietary restrictions um has, has there been any uh vegan or gluten-free dishes that you've been trying that maybe you can market we're still working on those those are like real real difficult because there's just so many different components that you have to substitute for your basic ingredients that you can get from the grocery store. Like, I mean, you know, not everybody can get, you know, almond flour versus regular flour, you know? And even then, it's like pretty pricey. Like, there, it's it's difficult being vegan. Definitely from a, from a cost standpoint. I, I don't know, um, vegan pasta, like all gluten-free pasta, like it's a little pricier, you know? You can definitely tell the difference. We will be working on some stuff in the future. Okay, well, keep us updated on your projects, and we would like to wish you 
uh, most success on your endeavors. Here at the Mystic and the Skeptic, we like to have all kinds of different topics, but um, to have different types of artists, and, and now I consider cuisine as a form of art, especially because there's so many of us who are foodies, are looking for new things to try out, especially people who have a passion for it, as compared to you know, getting fast food or getting stuff from the big chains. Again, um, we wish you luck. We hope that more Houston Latino chefs can spring out and that you can kind of be an example for them. Oh, man. Thank, thank you for having me on the show, man. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Uh, definitely check our website, Clutch City Cuisine. Uh, check us out on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, just barely started pushing out uh, YouTube videos, but um, check them out. Um, and we'll, we'll be working on some future recipes. Um, but thank you for your time. Uh, it's been great. And it's clutchcity.com? It's clutch slash city slash cuisine.com. Okay. And again, uh, are there products that you're selling at this time or is it just giving people uh, also, recipes? Yeah. So uh, we're selling, um, well, we're not selling, but we're just doing product reviews. Definitely like uh, blenders, uh, different types of pans, what produce to, to check out uh, places. Uh, we will be checking out a lot of farmers markets. Uh I definitely have my share of farmers, you know, uh, that I use and outsource, and I love those guys. Those are great. Um, I have my own uh, personal guy who does my micro cilantros and, and micro greens. They're fantastic as garnish and, and to use in great dishes. So definitely check that out. Uh, it's coming on the website. Wonderful. Thanks again. All right. Thanks, man.